What's going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had the incredible opportunity to hang out with Hoodie Allen over Zoom video. Hoodie Allen was born and raised on Long Island, and he talks about how he got into music. He was a very gifted child. He went to a, a gifted school up until eighth grade. And while he was at this school, he wrote a lot of lyrics. He just talked about writing different raps. He was huge into hip hop. When he was attending college, one of the songs he released ended up going number one on Hype Machine, which was like the pinnacle pre-Spotify when blogs were a huge deal. Like if you were number one on Hype Machine, it was like life-changing. So he does that all while scoring a job at Google. So he moves to Silicon Valley but he's kind of taking meetings with uh, major labels and different record people. He talks to us about the moment when he went in and gave up his job at Google to really pursue music full time. We learn about the success of All-American, collaborating with huge artists like Ed Sheeran, and all about this new sound and new record, which is a concept album. The music video kind of goes over the concept of the record, but it's more of this alt-punk, pop-punk vibe he worked with mark hoppus on the record we hear about that and we hear all about the new single wouldn't that be nice you can watch our interview with hoodie allen on our facebook page and youtube channel at bringing it backwards it would be awesome if you subscribe to our channel like us on facebook and follow us on instagram twitter and tiktok at bringing back pod and if you're listening to this on spotify apple music google podcasts it would be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Hoodie Allen. Well, I appreciate it, man. I'm super excited to talk to you. I love the uh, new song that you have coming out and and just like the whole change in sound. It's so sick. Thanks, man. Uh, I I super appreciate you taking the time to chat. This is is my first uh, interview podcast. I don't don't know how, how we define this, but this is my first one for the new music so oh you know, awesome i feel honored will i be rusty i don't know well let's let's we'll see what it doesn't happens. matter it's a conversation less of a, I, me ask you a question and we elaborate for five seconds on it perfect yeah no i mean i forgot how to have conversations throughout the last two years of <laughs> staring of at your iso- walls <laughs> exactly of isolation you're like what are conversations so yeah, yeah. no i appreciate it man Cool, cool. Awesome. Well, uh, we start off with uh, Born and Raised. You're from New York? Is that what I read? Yeah, yeah, yeah. still live in New York. Uh, I grew up in the suburbs outside of New York City, and I live in Brooklyn now. Okay. Tell me about growing up in New York. I mean, I know you have pretty much access to a lot of, a lot of places via you know, the subways and everything. Was that a pretty freeing experience, I would think? Um, well, I mean, I grew up in a more neighborhoody, you know, oh, okay. you got a backyard and you're Got to oh, drive, there you go. Drive to places now, you know. My, that's my growing up, so that's cool because I yeah. don't, I don't understand city life, man. <laughs> well, I mean, I I love city life. That's been that's been my life for the last you know decade plus, where you can go to the street corner and get a deli sandwich from anywhere, and sure. you know, New York City is like the most walkable city. I think maybe like technically the most walkable city in the world. So, I mean, I love that aspect of just being able to go everywhere um, whenever you want, kind of by mm-hmm. foot. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I had a pretty typical upbringing, but New York has always had such a, you know, like being so close to the city 
kind of provided a, a really interesting music scene. And also, mm-hmm. you know, where I grew up in Long Island specifically had a very specific um, emo music scene. I mean, oh, that's, dude. Yeah, I mean, that's the Taking scene. Back Sunday, Envy on the Coast, and like that. Brand new. Yeah, brand new, exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm 33. So, I mean, it lines up perfectly when I'm like 17, 16 years oh, old. Dude. So, I mean, it, it was kind of. That's amazing. I grew up in San Diego and I'm 37. So like, I'm a little older than you, but that was the scene. I like, yeah. I love that. That's actually why I started this podcast was solely to interview people in that genre. And then my wife's like, yeah, that would be cool. But you know uh, what else would be cool is like actually having a ton of people that would be willing to talk to you aside from like the handful I mean, of bands that are in that genre. <laughs> I mean, you're living the dream, man. San Diego is probably one of my favorite places in the, I mean, how can you be upset any day in San Diego? It's just like, it was great degrees and sunny. And sure. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I recently moved to Nashville, so it's I'm taking quite similar. a different, yeah, yeah. different, uh, as far similar. as the weather goes, a little bit different, but man, we love it. We love it here. So oh, amazing, but that's awesome. So you grew up in Long Island, you said in more of a suburb. So, yeah. well, how did you, how'd you get into music? I mean, from reading about you, I know you're incredibly smart, so I'd love to hear kind of that piece of your, your world, but how did you get into music? I, 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 someone must have edited my Wikipedia if they said I was smart, but I'll, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> Didn't you work at Google or am I totally screwing myself here? No, you're right. I'm just, okay. I'm, I'm deflecting from a compliment that makes me uncomfortable. Uh, okay. no, I'm just teasing. Uh, I, I started music. I mean, hip hop was sort of my first, you know, alongside everything else. Hip hop was sort of the first thing that I, that made me want to, uh, make music. Like I, I started, almost before I even really understood what I was doing, I would write these like raps after school. Um, both my parents worked. So like, you know, I, I would like go to their office after school and have nowhere to be. There's no one to watch me. So like, I just, they like, they tuck me away in this room and I would just like go and be creative, I guess. Not really prompted by anything. Cause I didn't grow up in a very like um, music is everywhere and mm-hmm. is everywhere house. It just, it must've been something sort of, innate so i i was writing these songs before i really knew what they were and then kind of started you know as your musical palette expands via mtv or at the mm-hmm. time like early internet myspace sort of things you start like discovering stuff um i was discovering a lot of underground hip-hop at the time and really took a liking to just the storytelling aspect of of that sort of music and before i knew it you know i was downloading beats from like mp3.com which i doubt exists anymore maybe it does if they do shout out to mp3.com <laughs> they were actually based else. in san diego it was really? funny yeah yeah had a couple of friends no that way. worked there and it was like what is this i remember when it came out and people were like it's the new way of like music oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a trip you just so i you- would find i find free beats wherever i could and and just you know uh i had like a a, a microphone that i got at radio shack probably for like 19 dollars, mm-hmm. and i downloaded a version of uh, a program called cool edit pro where oh, i remember the, cool edit everyone on the internet could get cool edit pro as a like uh what is it called when you like basically steal something but oh uh, like you torrent it was it is it torrent no i don't know if it was from torrent or you like a cracked version like this was oh a yeah like a like, like a lime wire type yeah version. Okay. yeah so um, I may or may not have gotten that, not looking to like, you know, incriminate myself, cool at it pro, but, but I, <laughs> if that yeah, even just, exists anymore. yeah, they're going to come after me. <laughs> lawyers are coming after me, but yeah, um, that's how I started kind of putting together these like very, uh, rudimentary versions of raps or songs. And 
you know, as, as you start, as you keep going with it, at first you're sort of like imitating the things that you find. And then eventually, you know, your own style, if, if you keep up with something like a lot of times, you know, you can kind of develop your own style from a mix mm-hmm. of your influences and, you know, develop your own path. And uh, I don't know, somewhere along the way, I was making something that people actually were like, this isn't half bad. And then you're like, oh, intrinsic motivation. Let's go. Sure, I sure. Feel, I feel validated. And then, you know, before you know it, that became like my, the thing that I love the most, just creating, you know, mm-hmm. just the idea of creating something from scratch. And at the end of the day, you had this thing, this tangible like song. So yeah, that's kind of how everything started. When did you start actually like putting the songs together to the extent of like being able to like what were upload them online or shown to people? Do you remember that? Um, I think I was like 12, 12 or 13 years oh, old. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, but like those songs are never really like those songs are under mysterious, anonymous aliases. That I, aliases <laughs> exactly. That I'm not really uh, interested in breaking uh, publicly because, you know, they're, they're quite embarrassing. But yeah, I mean, the first time I was like uploading songs, like I remember this, it was like, there was a forum called rap. I want to say it's called rapmusic.com. And mm-hmm. people would like not only talk about like, it was like a, it was like a message board, but like people wouldn't only even talk about uh, stuff they like. They would also like collaborate with other users on there or uh, share their music and try to get like feedback from other people. And like, yeah, I, I must've spent like two hours a day on that place and I would upload to like not even SoundCloud. There was a version of something called before SoundCloud was like SoundClick. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm dating myself. We're 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 getting very old timey here, but yeah, no, like I love you'd, it. You'd share you share the music, and people would be like, "The flow is okay, the quality is bad." Da 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 da. Five out of ten, and you'd be like, "All right, five out of ten from random user," and then just you know. But that's uh, cool. Like I mean, getting yeah. feedback like that, you that's the hardest thing right you're putting out songs you're like well, does anyone care like what can i work on like what can i work on here and people telling you that you're yeah taking feedback right right there for sure and it was it was like it was very interesting because all my other friends and like the kids in my high school like at the time like i'm coming in freshman year like obviously the like we're in the we're kind of in peak emo stage world mm-hmm. at the time there was like a place called the temple that everyone went to for shows and it's just, you know, everyone had a, everyone had a band, everyone had a MySpace, battle of the bands every month. And like, those were my friends, but I was doing something a little bit non-traditional to that. And nobody mm-hmm. was like, if, at least it felt like nobody was rapping. Like you'd have like a kid in another nearby town be like, oh, he raps too. You guys should battle each other. But like, for the <laughs> most part, you know, bands dominated the scene. Oh yeah. Uh, before long, you know, I started sort of incorporating that and working with, you know, my friends who were, getting signed to local band labels or kind of, you know what I mean? Like the, it was, everything was kind of like emerging at the time and uh, definitely influenced sort of like the soundscape of like what I was thinking about and not making it just only hip hop, but like, mm-hmm. being, you know, cause I grew up, I think my first CD I ever bought was like an offspring CD. So like, okay. you know, it was always like a sort of split. Like punk rock. Right? Yeah. Like yeah, a yeah. Left, sort of like left, right genre of the things that I was like gravitating towards. Mm-hmm. Did you play in a band or anything like that? Like when that whole scene was kind of emerging or are you only really focusing on like hip hop? I was, I was more so focusing on hip hop. Like I took guitar lessons for a couple of years and I was just, I was just so bad at it. I felt like, Oh, this isn't it. Like this doesn't come natural to me, but like writing always was so intuitive. Like I just loved writing. So mm-hmm. I kind of st- stuck with it on that end and was like, I'll let the people who are good at guitar and drums do that. So I, I remember doing like a couple of like, 
battle of the bands where I would like fill in as the vocalist. But again, I was, it was very amateur hour, which I guess is the nature. I mean, of you got to start somewhere, right? You got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Well, you went to what a gifted high school. Is that what I saw? Like a- uh, well, no, I went to, I went to public high school, but before that I was in, yeah, from up, up until like, like for second to eighth grade, I was in a very alternative school program. That's like, I, I don't really know that it exists in other places. I'm sure mm-hmm. it does, but yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> basically as a very little kid, um, I was, I don't know, I was being a mixture of doing too much and being disruptive to the class in the sense where I would like finish, I would like finish the exam and then be like, let me go finish other people's exams. I don't know what was wrong with me, but then eventually the school was like, Hey, maybe there's this other place that like they, it's like 12 person classes and it's super advanced. And like, I was like, give me homework. Like I was very well, it sounds like you were just super smart and then we're getting bored. Like, okay. You I, was, know. I think I was a little bit bored and there was this program. So it was, it was very interesting because that whole school, which is, was great. It was, it was a very interesting experience. Also sort of, uh, you know, you're not in with all the other kids. You kind of like develop your own path. That's kind of where I started. That is where I started uh, writing music as well for myself. So like you kind of, but almost in some weird way, I don't know if I've ever thought about it like this, but by not being in like sort of the, the mainstream environment, um, you know, at like nine, 10, 11, you kind of like really do get a chance to hone in and develop like the things that are like interesting to you. And I guess for me, that was music. So it's, yeah, it's kind of weird how that took shape. I I don't really give it credit, but yeah. Well, that is really interesting to think about because you aren't being yeah pulled in different outside influences or what your friends kind of like doing what your friends like to do because they're doing it to kind of fit in with that clicks. Yeah, well, not even that you don't don't have friends friends, and then you're you're, good. No, no, no. But you're like you're you're stuck with these clicks almost because like I hung out with kids at school that I didn't hang out with when I got home. I was like I wasn't the same kind of group of friends. But like when you're there, you kind of have to play ball as far as far as like, you know, you don't want to look like, I don't know, kids are yeah. mean. <laughs> no, the social pressures of being, yeah. I don't think that ever changes as being like a, a teen or preteen. Like, you know, they're, whatever your friends are doing is going to be what you're doing. Like, I remember defiantly being like the only person who like didn't play Pokemon and like, well, Pokemon is definitely coming 360 where it's very mm-hmm. cool again, but like at the time, like I was a cool. loser. I was, no, it was cool. I was a loser oh. not playing. They were like, you don't play Pokemon. Like what's wrong with you? I okay. Like, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm just not into it. So, you know, it's very easy to get pulled into the direction of what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like, it's like, when do those things that you love really, like what age do they develop and, and take shape? And like, when they do, do you hone them? And like, I feel like when we see people who, this is not me talking about myself, but when we see people who are like virtuosos are like, Oh, Taylor Swift at like 16 is like signing a record deal. Like that's only possible because she realized that eight or I don't know mm-hmm. Taylor Swift exactly, but like she right. realized like so early on, like, Oh, I love this. And I'm yes, going like, to embrace it. Right. And it's like, if you don't start then in some sense, it's like, there's someone else who's like figuring out their, their passion at like age nine. It's right. Possible. Yeah. No, you're, you're so right. And it's interesting because uh, I've done so many of these interviews. Like 
uh, you, a lot of people come from homeschooling or private schooling or just because, and then you'll see, uh, oh, wow, they had so much time to focus on the one thing that they knew they really wanted to do. Like yeah. a buddy of mine plays drums for Jaden and he filled in for Machine Con Kelly. He's played with a bunch of people and he started playing drums at two and then just did private every homeschool his whole life because all he knew was I'm going to play drums and that's all I really care about. And then at 16, he's touring. And, but it's because he, you know, if you know what you want to do and you, you can kind of lock into it and you don't have the other distractions, like Taylor Swift's a great example of that. I know that guy. He, he looks really cool on Instagram. He's killing it. Oh, you do? Tosh, he's, yeah, a, great, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a great dude. Yeah, uh, I love him. He's, he's such a cool, cool person. He played for, I don't know if he still is, playing for an artist uh, named Carly Hansen. Who's yes. Really, oh, really yeah. Great. I love Carly that's, Hansen. That's right. That's right. I discovered, um, I, like, I've seen them together and stuff. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's where I discovered him, too. I interviewed Carly Hansen. And when I watched her set, they were opening for Bad Sons. And I'm like, oh, wow. who is this guy on the drums? Like, he, it was like, it blew my mind because I, I grew up in San Diego and Blink was like the band. They were from the same town I grew up in. Oh, yeah. And I remember when I first saw Travis Barker, when he, fil- when he took over for Scott Rayner on drums, I'm like, whoa, like this band just like elevated so far just by changing the drummer. And then it was the same thing when I saw Tosh. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy like is Travis Barker. He reminds me of Travis Barker when I first oh, yeah. saw him. That, that transition, I'm trying to remember that. That was Dude Ranch to... And of the, the state, state right? Yeah. That was, yeah, very, I, the, the young version of myself did not really understand. I was like, oh, there's a new, there's a new person. Oh, got it. Cool. Right. Well, what's crazy is not to go off on a blink tangent, but. Um, we can always go on a blink tangent. Oh, it's <laughs> okay. unbelievable. <laughs> like it, they, so they recorded End of the State with Scott Rayner on the drums. Oh, wow. And then he, Travis went back in and redid all the redid parts. So like if even if you watch American Pie at the end, like he's Rainer's credited as like in the movie, but he's not in nah. the film. Yeah. And then the version of I think they put Mutt or something off and I'm going to say in the rec, in the in the actual movie, it's the old one. It's the old version. You can hear the difference. Like I think on YouTube, you can find all the demos and it's like mm-hmm. so crazy to listen to what he did. And then you hear Travis and it's like, oh, wow. what a different song (laughs) that's some really good uh blink trivia right there did you know in the in the movie (laughs) use the demo version of this like that's that's sorry i nerd out hard on blink (laughs) i'm with it i don't i don't know if i'm allowed to say this or not or i don't know if it's a secret or you can say whatever you want but I, i i got the chance to write with uh mark on this upcoming album which is was a very did you already know that i don't know if you. i did i did know that that was. Um, don't worry, week. this will come out after the song drops. I okay. was already told, like, you will not really. <laughs> no, no worries. No, I appreciate it. But yeah, yeah. that was one of the, uh, I mean, most unbelievable, like, full circle life moments. And you obviously, I mean, he's a, a wonderful guy, but you, you just, you, I don't think there's been many moments where I've wanted to, like, fan out in meeting a musician. I think even musicians are, like, athletes will talk about this. It's like, oh, musicians never, like, freak out in front of other musicians but like you can meet like your favorite like quarterback or something and it's like oh right. cool because because you like do something different but right I definitely, right i definitely like felt uh like i was you know working in his studio being like how like how is this like a real like thing? pinch me like am i like, <laughs> like, how, like how how could you explain this to like the the kid who spent so much time with those albums for so long and reading the liner notes and like just i remember like just like i just have those vivid memories like laying on my bed and like reading every lyric and i don't know it's it's cool and 
it's, it's just wild to think about sometimes. That's so rad. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to talk about the new record for yeah. sure. I just wanted to real quick, just kind of recap how you kind of got to where you are now with, yeah. you got a job at Google, right? Like out of college and you were, would you move Silicon Valley or something or San Francisco? Yeah, I did. I, I moved, I moved right to their, their main headquarters, uh, which is based in Mountain View, like right, right yeah. of San Francisco. Yeah, it was, it was pretty wild because I did plan to move my entire life there. And uh, like before I even had a bed in like my apartment situated in San Francisco, I'd already gotten these like two calls from record label. It was a record label on a publishing company being like, we want to fly you back out and like have a meeting. And really, obviously, as my story goes, like I, I ended up doing everything independently, but mm-hmm. it just kind of speaks to like how uh, divided, like, like just you think you're starting this new life and like, OK, this is this is what it's going to be. And I'm so excited to move out here and do a job. And then like, nope, music, music kept being like dividing the attention. Wow. And so I, I kind of knew even from the moment I started there that there was going to be some like big decisions that had mm-hmm. to be made in, in terms of like what my path was going to be. So you already kind of had a, I'm obviously had the attention of people at this point. So what, I, when did yeah, that? I had one song, I had one song that like, well, I didn't have one song, but I had one song that was like doing something on the internet, which was called you're not a robot. And it was mm-hmm. like a, a song that sampled a Marina and the diamonds song called I am not a robot. Very cool. Okay. And uh, yeah, it just, it kind of, I don't even I remember like where it, there was like, uh, I guess it was SoundCloud or YouTube. It, it was like the first song I ever had that had a million plays. That's they crazy. weren't called streams then because there were no right. streams. There was like a million plays. And that was enough at the time to definitely get people's sort of like ears peaked and like, okay. Was that, like, was that when you had, uh, was that the Hype Machine one? Or is that the one that went number one on Hype Machine? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I didn't bring up Hype Machine because I didn't know if that was too niche of a... Of <laughs> or too, too, yeah, no, dude, that was like the pinnacle at the time. If you got number one on Hype Machine, it was like everyone had your their attention, right? You you definitely know what's... Yeah, it was it was Hype Machine fueled for sure. Like blogs were the music discovery source. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you got posted on the certain coolest blogs or just enough blogs you could get attention on hype machine, which was like the billboard for the internet, essentially. And you are not a robot did go to number one on hype machine. I remember even I, I like the first time I ever like spent like serious money on, or at least I felt like it on music was like, I did like a, like an ad, an ad buy on hype machine. Like they, they skinned the, the website to be my, my free download, like a uh, mixtape for, for that That's project. Huge. And, I, and, I, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to buy this and I'll figure this out. And then like all the people who have found me on hype machine will download the album. Cause it's going to be free. And mm-hmm. I think it actually worked, it actually worked pretty well. Um, but, but yeah, the hype machine was just such a, a good discovery source at the, t- at the time, you know, mm-hmm. even though I don't, I don't know why, I guess it was just a time like you had like shitty bang and myself and like a lot of these artists that were mixing the like indie sensibilities like the indie rock and indie pop stuff with kind of poppy hip-hop so yeah wow Uh, okay that's crazy that i mean you came from marketing so it makes sense that you'd have this brilliant idea of like okay i'm going to do a free download and it's going to be on hype machine which is like the spot everyone's going to to discover whatever new artists they are and then you get a bunch of downloads and to have a song at number one like i i just know talking to other artists that have done that like that's just life-changing it, it was very, it's very weird. Cause like once it happens, once you start to think you like, 
like your goalpost move, right? And then the next time you put out a song and it doesn't hit number one on Hype Machine, you're like, ah, oh, okay. damn it, I've flopped. <laughs> my, I've, my time has passed. But no, it was, it was like, it was very much a, a slow burn, probably like with a lot of people that you talk to, you know, once the moment happens, whatever that moment is, it all feels like, where did this person come from out of nowhere? But like, they all have these like, oh no, I've been like doing this for 10 years and no one's cared sort of mm-hmm. stories. So it, you know, like, it's almost, I don't know what that phrase is where like, like opportunity is where like luck and preparation meet but, yeah, like, meet or whatever. There's like a lot of truth to it. It's like, yeah, you like, maybe you don't realize it, but like you've been preparing for what it would be if it all happens. And then like, you stuck around long enough for, for all the dots to connect. And then if you make the most of that opportunity, like you can turn yeah. into a career, you know? So you, you ha- had that song do that. And then you moved to San Francisco. Like you got the job around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I, I wow. Think, well, actually I think um, the way like, you know, they come and recruit you on campus at your school. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had the job. Um, I had, I had the job at Google lined up somewhere in my senior year of college, which was really freeing because once you know, you have a job, yeah, your GPA doesn't matter. Right. You're like, I'll just pass. I was like, (laughs) I was like, I know I need to hit a certain minimum, but I don't need to be like that stressed anymore. Uh That's kind of when all this, like, that's when I made you're not a robot with my, with my buddy RJ. Like it was during that semester when everything felt like, okay my future or like my safety net mm-hmm. job is in place. And we started making this music that became that first mixtape. So that mixtape drops. I'm like one month into working at Google and I'm balancing these like very, I don't know, weekend warrior life where I'm at the job and I'm like tweeting back to like the first fans I have, but mm-hmm. also like I've gotten booked to play a university of Georgia frat basement show for like a thousand dollars. And I'm flying, wow. flying in to do it. And then I got to be back at work by Monday. And eventually, you know, like that was like, this is, this is not tenable. Like this, I can't continue doing this forever. Right. But, uh, yeah, it was like, I, I look back at those moments kind of like, oh, you really were, had one foot in both worlds. Mm-hmm. You know? At what point do you then go, I'm just going to do music? And like, how long had you been working at Google at that time? And, or was there like a record or a song that did well enough to where you're like, okay, I'm just going to go full into this? Uh, I put out that mixtape. Uh, managers would hit me, like, hit me up and I got I had meetings at like, jive or it was like rca oh yeah like majors yeah and i did awful at all those meetings i left with no label (laughs) offers and in my head i was like well the one thing i need to to justify leaving google and leaving this like corporate job that everyone talks about is the best place in the world to work and it was really nice Mm -hmm. um is i just need the record label like i need the deal right if i get the deal i can justify it to my parents everyone won't worry about me and then that didn't happen, but I ended up scheduling like it was like a winter break, and I played my first like three or four headline shows, like New York, Boston, Philly. Wow, maybe one other one I can't remember, but those were like my East Coast, where I'm from, shows, mm-hmm. and every show sold out. And I just said to myself, like, I, I, I think, I think we do this, you know, and. I had like a, a, my first like booking agent at the time and we had a bunch of those like little college shows and I, you know, 
I, I am as much as a creative, I'm definitely like pragmatic and analytical as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I looked at it and I said, well, looks like we can make, I don't know, half of what I'm making at Google if I just do these shows. And then if I'm putting all my time into music, like I just think I can, I can make it happen. Like give me a year and we'll see where I'm at, like full energy instead of this double dip in, like never sleeping mm -hmm. thing. And, and so I, I went back after that winter break to Google and said like, Hey, this is where my head's at. And they said, we support you. Like take six months. If it doesn't work out, your job is still here. We wish you. Wow. That's incredible that they were yeah. willing to do that. I guess, I guess they had already like trained me. So they're like, Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like we, we don't want to train somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, tra they were training tons of people. Like, Oh, we already, we already put our money into him. So yeah, we'll just, whatever it was. Uh, and, you know, six months after that, it just wasn't, there was no turning back. Like things had started to happen as, as I had hoped when putting all the energy in there and mm -hmm. uh, kind of like we're off to the races doing this all independently. So it was very, yeah. I mean, that's insane to, to, to be independent and self-release something like, like all American talking, if we talk about that record, like yeah. it comes out in what it's top 10 on the billboard 200. And like, it goes, it does all these crazy things. Like the number one record on iTunes, like all as an independent artist. That's yeah. Something that's that, like unheard of at the time. It was, um, I, it's hard. I mean, like uh, things were happening ar around that time where I feel like, you know, like maybe, um, even less than a year later, like Macklemore put out, like the Macklemore and uh, Ryan Lewis put out the yeah. heist independently and like that. Not a Grammy for like album of the that year. That one, and stuff, yeah. yeah. Chance the Rapper with uh, Acid Rap. I mean, there were like other people doing probably even bigger things. And but stuff not, like, I mean, not a whole lot though. That, I mean, I mean, all odds were definitely against you. Yeah. All American kind of came, I don't want to say came first, but it, it, it did happen, uh, you know, sequentially a little bit earlier. And mm -hmm. it was the first time that I had ever, Put anything up for sale because everything before that was like free mixtapes and man of the people not that selling something makes you not a man of the people but right. it, it was it was like a moment because i was like hey you know it would be amazing if you guys could support this it's eight songs it's gonna be five dollars like I, I wanted to price it like at like at the time everything was like a dollar 29 or maybe it is still that way but like you know people didn't uh there was some strategy to being like it's going to be $5 if you want to support, if you've enjoyed. And it sold 30,000 copies first week, which <laughs> like doesn't really make, like I, I can't remember what the like social, like how many people did you have on Facebook following or whatever it right, was. Right, right. I'll say it felt like it was a, a large majority, like percentage wise of people that said, you know what? Like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to back this. I'm going to support this. Mm -hmm. And, and luckily those songs have continued to like hold up over time. And like, I, it's, it's wild how sometimes I, I see this happen for a lot of bands too. It's like your first thing that blows up, like just hold a special place in sure in those people's hearts forever. And like, I'm, I feel fortunate that the thing that did for me is something that I still really enjoy that I enjoy performing. And I don't, I don't look back at it and cringe, maybe like just a little bit, on like one or two songs but like for, the, for the most part like i look back at it fondly and go like yeah i'm really glad that this was the thing that that you know resonated with people and mm -hmm. got to like kind of start the the snowball effect 
Mm-hmm. And from there, I mean, that what opened up doors, I would imagine, right? With with uh, working with a bunch of artists and and just kind of elevating your career at that point. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it's it's weird. Sometimes, like as time goes on, it becomes harder and harder to remember like how you feel in in those very moments. Like I wish I could capture like all those feelings because when I think back, I just think, oh wow, things must have been moving so fast. I just I started like doing two two u.s tours every year i was like oh i'll do i'll go do a tour in the spring i'll go do a tour in the fall so easy mm-hmm. everything's easy yeah and then like the song is just like oh yeah it was an internet thing and then before you know it like the crowd shifts from being like the hype machine crowd where it's like yeah we don't really like hip-hop but like if we do if we like anyone we'll come and see you it shifts from that to being like everyone here is like in college and now there's more girls coming like it was mm-hmm. like all guys and i was girls and you know, like that's kind of in a weird way. Like once girls start liking you, like girls are the real tastemakers. I feel like in the music <laughs> sure, industry, no, for people, sure. I, I don't feel like people give enough credit. Like, it, cause when a girl likes something, like everyone should really like it. Cause I, I don't know. I don't know the best way to explain it. It just, no, it, it, it makes like, sense though. It yeah. does look at the biggest artists on the planet. Right. I mean, look at like Justin Bieber when he came out, like girls flocked to him and then, obviously they saw something and so did everyone else at some point they, we're like they, whoa like this guy can really write up. yeah they, they what, do they know, they know what's up and uh and it was just like oh okay you just see you know a, a more diverse group of people coming to the shows and um you're like oh I'll just keep you know, just keep the cycle going you're like, oh, time for another mixtape like I, I tried not to abandon the strategy like the thing that came out right after all american was then like a free project you know mm-hmm. um it just felt like okay the relationship here with the fans is like always be transparent and like let them know how much you appreciate the support. So you're not going to just turn into like a uh, now now everything you just but like it, it was very like okay got to give back. Here's a free one. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe support with the next one. Here's a freebie. Like kind of balancing balancing that out back and forth. And um, for the most part, yeah, those a lot of cool music came from that. Yeah, I mean, what a brilliant. I mean, like I said, you, you have this market, you have a degree or background in marketing and just like the, the, the things you came up with to kind of, you know, balance your career is so creative. Like, okay, I'm going to give away a record. Then I'm going to charge just like five bucks. Like, you know, people, that's like a coffee. Right. And it's like, okay, sure. And then I'll give you a free one. And then like, you know, help support me on this one. Like that's, it's just brilliant. I, it felt it felt right i don't know i don't know it was like i don't know at the end of the day like you can look back and make these decisions saying like oh well what if i had what if i had signed with a label like right after that record came out would some of these songs that are still like you know some of the bigger things in like my discography would they have been like 10 times as big if they ever were on the radio because a lot of these songs um i mean they never got mainstream appeal like i'm still confused to this day how people know them or like where they were in their life when like that became something that they were aware of. Cause it always still felt very underground to me. So when I see like a TikTok like eight years later, someone's like, this song was my childhood. I'm like, how? Like <laughs> where, where, but uh, yeah, it's like those decisions. I, I think ultimately like no regrets because I think maybe it's more like the songs wouldn't, they would have been played out if they had gotten that like wide, wide, you know, like sure. there's something about a song still being like your little thing that you hold on to when it doesn't become everyone's. Thing. Mm-hmm. 
So. Right. I mean, it kind of goes back to even those emo bands at the time, like the Long Island emo bands, the Taking Back Sundays that never got radio play until they signed to a major label, but they had like this knit core fan base that always held on to them. And it was like, that's my childhood. The Tell All Your Friends record. Like, and then they can come back 25 years later or whatever it was and play the album. People flock to them. But I mean, that's, it's cool to be, it's cool that you get to be that for people, I'm sure. I, I, I don't know if it's like imposter syndrome or, or what you would call it, but like to me, it still doesn't always make sense sometimes. <laughs> like I, I, I think it's incredible, but I, I model so much of like um, when I, when I thought about like touring and just longevity in general in the music industry, I look to a lot of those bands um, very favorably. I mean, they, they get like, I, I never really thought oh, I got to be an arena act and I got to be on the cover of Rolling Stone. Like uh, those sort of like, I don't know, accolades or, or moments were never the things that really um, was what I was striving for. I just, I always had this like idea in my head that like, I want to do this for as long as I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'd love for it to always be on my terms and to just have like this thing where music can like, like as long as it's bringing me like that joy, I want to be able to like enjoy that and share it with other people. And I look, I look at somebody, those bands that just like you said, like, they can come back to this day regardless and just continue to tour and make people happy and like share this thing that they made and people care about their new stuff and people care about their old stuff. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just um, like, oh, what, what an incredible life. I think, I think that's like something to absolutely strive for. Well, okay. So you, uh, this is the, this record you're putting out is the first thing you've released what, in a few years, right? Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever since starting, I don't think I've ever went this long without, putting out a body of work i know like everyone's like like we kind of get a pass for these past uh two years with the world and in some sense maybe it's not like a normal normal timeline and i i really do love matching the release of new music with touring and for so much of of the pandemic that obviously wasn't uh, a mm-hmm. thing I, I definitely looked at things and said if you put out a new record and then like you don't get to go tour the world on it you know where does that record end up like living for people? Does it get forgotten? Now, there's definitely like a bit of trepidation with that, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, this is, this is the first time I've put something out since uh, my 2019 album. So it's like, ex- I'm getting all the feelings again, like those exciting butterfly feelings where you've like held on to this baby and you're like, okay, baby time for other people to, to sure. have you also. So it's, yeah, it's all coming back. Well, and you took a different approach. I mean, the song I've heard is is awesome. I love and I love the re like this this kind of re- resurgence. I guess would be of like pop punk and and all in that genre, like really making a huge comeback. And this this song or this song in this record is a totally different sound for you, correct? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting. It's definitely. Uh, I mean, like the biggest difference is like. It, I mean, it's not a hip hop record. There's right. one, there's, there's one rap verse on the entire thing. It's, it's very much, it's, I, I think it's, it's similar in the ways that like my voice is my voice. And like this perspective is like, it's, it's going to feel like, like a hoodie on record to the people who, who know me mm-hmm. um, even despite like, because they've, they've seen me do like collaborate with state champs and right. And, right. And like, you know, I've, I've worked like uh, Nick Anderson, who, 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 you know, made the whole record with me from the Rex. Like he, I, we worked together on a song in the last project. So like the, the mm-hmm. foundations have been sort of set in, in this place, but the, the differences are, are like, yeah, I've, 
made a, a story album about a breakup, the real, very real, like honest thing that, that I went through. So instead of the songs being, you know, uh, hip hop, fun stuff, we've got sad bops this time is what I like to call it. Like, oh, the songs are, are mostly still high energy, but the lyrics are sad. <laughs> and, uh, and like, you know, it's a, it's just kind of a much more honest approach and, uh, it, it's been interesting to see, like you said, like there's been a bit of a, a resurgence in this place. We started like Nick and myself started working on this record a little bit before the changing of, of all those things happening. So like, we're kind of sitting around being like, ah, oh, shoot, it's going to, everyone else is already doing this. But uh, I think maybe the one differentiator is for the majority of the record, it, all the you know music is very like organic. Like we're not trying to match uh pop rock emo with like trap like that's mm. not that's like not the goal here like the record isn't like drowned in like auto tune and stuff like that like no not at, it, at least the song i heard did not yeah, at all it, it's you know like it's much more born off of a mixture of like okay well this is just what i felt like these are the songs that like that came from like the this like therapy session basically and mm -hmm. then also like the influences of what we grew up on, like, you know, getting to work with like a guy like Mark Hoppus on this, like it just, it brings out certain aspects of, of the record where it just feels like very organic and real, at least for me. Mm -hmm. did, when did you start writing the record? Was it during COVID or when the pandemic happened? I got, I got stuck at Nick's house during COVID. I was there to write it. Like, you know, it was this like March of 2020, I guess. Uh -huh. um, and I was like staying at a hotel and then they were like Ubers and hotels are shutting down. And he, he lives in Los Angeles. I live in New yeah. York. So I was like, what do I do now? And he, <laughs> he was like, Hey man, just, you know, like come stay with me and, and we'll work and we'll hang out. And like that process ended up becoming like a four month stay uh, at his house. Not something I ever anticipated, but like the world completely shut down. And the idea of going on a plane was, uh, not a thing that anyone right. did, I guess. And so, going to New York where it was like the worst of and all. And yeah, and then I live <laughs> in New York where it's like, well, I can I can be in my one bedroom apartment, not able to leave, or I could be outside in California. I'm gonna I'm gonna same. stay here and see what happens. <laughs> and yeah, so we made a lot of the record during during those times uh, before he got tired of having me around, and then we just hung out and didn't make music. But yeah, uh, and then it's just been a process as the world's open, like just coming back to songs and tweaking and finishing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so we now finally have like a full record. So it's, yeah, it's very, it's going to be, it's definitely going to be the, always going to be like the most unique story of a way an album got made. It's like, oh, I got stuck on my friend's couch during the pandemic, uh -huh. essentially. That's cool though. I, I, he's a great guy. I interviewed the Rex before um, oh, during nice. COVID, and he, like he, his room had like these crazy like purple light, like lighting in his studio. I don't know if he. he oh, I've 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 seen. Yeah, I'm sure you I've do. I've seen the LED lights. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. <laughs> I, spent, I spent many many hours in that room. Uh, yeah. Nick's, Nick's one of like the most hardworking. It, it's like it was so interesting living with him because we'd have days where you'd just be like, yeah, he's going to stay up three days straight making this music. And mm -hmm. like, he just doesn't go to sleep. And then, and then he'll be asleep for two days and I'll just see him <laughs> pop up out of his room, like cook a pizza and then go back to sleep. I was like, 
All right. All right. See you, Nick. (laughs) You're alive. Okay. That's good. (laughs) I think think he has a much healthier work-life balance now, but at the time when the world sort of turned off, I mean, we just behaved in like such a odd way of like making music and living. It was very, it was very weird. That's awesome though. And then you, you obviously had a chance to work with Mark Hoppus on the record. Did you work with state champs again on this record? Or no, no, but I just I didn't, Mark Hoppus. Yeah, just just Mark. But um, I mean, I love those state champs guys. Like they, they're, I, I mean, like besides them all have like you know Ryan for state has like multiple other projects that are great right. as well. Like like they are. Um, I'm excited for them because their their album I think is coming out the same day as my first single. So, yeah, they have a new record on the way, and yeah. they, they've been doing some cool stuff too over over COVID. That song was Simple Plan and. Uh, I think they we are Romans. I think around as well. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I mean, but, they're, they're just yeah. they're just great dudes, and I, I admire so much of what they do as well because, like, again, you just see like an amazing like touring fan base and and people who who just you know it's like the people who you have it doesn't matter if it's like oh you twenty monthly million monthly listeners yeah. it's like it doesn't matter because like the people who like listen like really care and that's at the end of the day, all you can ask for. Like, I'd much rather have like a passionate sort of group of people than just so many cats. A number. Yeah. <laughs> a number, yeah. the, number the, the number is overrated sometimes when you really, yeah. really break it down. Not always does it translate, right, to hard ticket sales and to people that actually care. They might know, oh, you have that one song that I have on my playlist. But yeah, to have a whole it, fan base is totally different. The music industry is weird like that because it's always like a grass is greener. Like I remember, you know, I wouldn't say jealous, but like there was a, like I, I would see someone get an opportunity like the XXL freshman cover. I'd be like, ah, oh, why, why can't XXL like ever cover me? Or like, I never, you know, the cool nylon magazine, I never get a write up in that. And then the same person who was getting that stuff is like, dude, I just want to tour and do what you're doing. Like, what do you, so you're like, Oh, gotcha. We all feel this way mm-hmm. in different ways about like, you know, comparative analysis to self. Sure. Sure. So when you, with this record, was there, uh, did it just kind of happen that it wasn't hip hop? I mean, that, that just kind of came out when you were doing the record. You're like, Oh, well actually none of these songs really have like, you know, full on rap verses on them. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's partially a symptom of, of working with Nick and obviously Mm -hmm. wanting to live in like the production wheelhouse that is his world. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he can do anything, but like he is, you know, a rock guy and that's like where sensibilities are and, and like, he has so many good, strong melodies and, and ideas, but like it, you know, we were living in like an alternative space and it also felt like that was what was right for the things that I wanted to like say and share and like be vulnerable and open about, you know, what was going on in my life. Like it kind of just naturally went there. And that's like, that's like one of my favorite things about it that I don't, I don't, I'll always know that for myself. I don't know. It, it what what like the public will will think when they hear it all because like you said there's been such a resurgence that it could just easily have been like oh yeah you're gonna you're gonna ride this wave now too it's like i don't know man like i was not i wasn't thinking about a wave at all like, I, we were doing this just to like you know to feel better like I, yeah. I felt i was so sad i just made these songs to feel better like that's all it was but it wasn't, it's not even like your sound sounds like what they're doing, you know, because there's like a really distinct like Machine Gun Kelly like sound, right? Yeah. Like a Mod Sun type sound that's happening. But this, what I've heard doesn't sound, you know, anything like that at all. Yeah. I mean, all love to those guys. Like I've, I've toured with Mod before. Like I, I think, you know, it's, it's awesome. He, he's also like a great 
uh, example of like persistence. Like if you know sure. how long he's been doing. Oh yeah. He's like, been grinding forever. Like, you know, like I'm glad you had like this breakout moment cause you have mm-hmm. been grinding forever. But yeah. yeah, I, 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 I do think that, um, because we did make something like completely un uninspired by like what was going around us that hopefully it will, it will kind of sound like its own thing. It definitely does. And it's still even the song I heard with uh, wouldn't that be nice has the, like a hip hop, like that. That's it changes up in the middle. Yeah. Of this. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know. I, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But I would no, say no. That, that's the one that has the most hip hop drum elements of everything, which mm-hmm. maybe it's a good reason to give it first to people for, you know, the sort of transitional, like them accustomed to things. Yeah, subtle transition. <laughs> yeah, and like, uh, and like his his former bandmate Weston Weiss, who like has gone on to do so many uh, productions for Post Malone and mm-hmm. Break and stuff like that. Like he he was a part of that record as well. Oh, cool. But besides that, I mean, we're really going with like the organic sounding drum kits and just you know like everything feeling very band. You know, meant, cool. meant for a live performance for sure. I love that. And this is the video for, I haven't had a chance to see a video for wouldn't that be nice, but is that's kind of a telling the story of the record too. Is that what I read? Yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. That, that we're in the visual effects editing stage at the time of, of us talking right now, but okay. yeah, gotta, gotta cut it close. You know what I mean? Gotta make it impossible. <laughs> um, sure. That's the music business. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it definitely tells the story of, of where the story starts and, and, you know, so much of this record is kind of like it feels like you know the returning to an apartment that you used to share with somebody and now no longer do and mm-hmm. um i don't know just kind of like the for for me most most of the i mean the album kind of starts at the end of this relationship and where it ends is it's not like we put a, a nice bow on it and everything is like happy ever after it kind of ends still in a bit of like that insecurity spot where you're like i'm getting over you but i are you getting over me too? Like, like, you know, mm-hmm. just like, it's not, it's still like weird. And, and I, it, most of the records kind of touch on this, like this, like in between stage where I'm sure, you know, maybe not everyone has had this part of their, of their relationship, but like you've broken up with somebody, but you're, you're still talking. Right. No, so many people have had that. <laughs> and you're still making it weird for yourself and you're still putting yourself in like a harmful Position to get hurt, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, it was like I, I I know that I did something to hurt myself, but I couldn't help it because I was still chasing like the moments that felt the best when mm-hmm. you're with that person, even though you know that you're like setting up for yourself to get crushed. Like you're you're crushing yourself while doing this, and like that kind of spans the uh, kind of the length of this record. And visually, I think the the music video brings a lot of those elements to life, also. I love it. I've never heard a, I haven't, I can't think of anyone that's written a, a song or a record like that. And it's such a like relatable thing. You know what I mean? Like kind of being in that space of, yeah, I want to be pretty- around this person, but I shouldn't because they could just be with someone else and, you know, crush me. And yeah, like just the uncertainty there. I love that. And, and, and they were, which is why the, the songs become so interesting because it was messy and complicated and mm-hmm. multiple people involved in a, but you know, we'll save that. We'll save that for the music, I guess. <laughs> okay. I'm, but I'm good now. 
these were these were things that I felt before, but I feel better now. <laughs> I'm glad you feel better now. And yeah. dude, thank you so much for doing this interview, man. You oh, are yeah, so dude. cool. Like I really, really appreciate it. No, like, like I said, you're my you're my first uh, interview, so I'm uh, I will not forget this. I'm I'm really appreciative of it, and I, I appreciate you checking out the record as well. Like that is, um, we got we got to make sure you hear the whole thing. Yeah, I can't wait to. Like I said, I heard the one song and I'm like, oh, this is so good. I I love it. But yeah, I mean, I thank thank you again for having me on Mm -hmm. for what you're doing, and uh, and so excited to see what you know how how big the channel is going to get. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I have one more quick question for you before I let you go. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah, I mean, I I think my advice is to. I, I feel like I had like old advice. I'm trying to think of what feels really current now. I would say be resilient and be persistent, but always do things for yourself. Um, and I'll break down what that means. I always tell artists like, you, you gotta, like you have your one career and it's you. Like you have to be the person who relies on yourself the most. And you should do this regardless of if it's a career or not. If this is the thing that you like love doing, and you're, you know, you'd love to get to the point where um, you can make it a career. Okay. Just like keep doing it for you and don't do it to chase uh, a hit song or be frustrated if like TikTok's not blowing up yet. Like it's not supposed to be easy. Like our, our barriers to entry are so low now. Anybody can put out a song. It can go on Spotify. Anyone can have a song go viral on TikTok. And because it's so achievable for so many people, a lot of people are trying. So just keep at it. That's where the, I think, be persistent part is. And, and keep, you know, just being positive because the, I do believe that things that are special, even if you have no following, they somehow find a way to, to break out eventually. Like it's hard to keep a really, really good song hidden for too long. So keep making those songs and, uh, and yeah, be okay with the process taking a while. It could take a while.